Our sponsor today is Proton Text, a complete SMS texting solution built for the Lightning platform by one of our previous guests, Pat McClellan. Here's reason number two that admins and users love this app: easy automation. Proton Text uses platform events and invocable Apex actions, so admins can create automated texting. That is customized for the needs of their org and users. Starting with the app's open-source automation library, admins can set up text notifications, appointment reminders, text lead and text case, audience polling, customer surveys, and all of it built with processes and flows. It's not magic, just good design. Check out the Proton Text open source automation library at protontext.com. Hey everybody, this is Xia. This is yet another episode of Salesforce Way podcast. Today I'm sitting with a new guest. His name is Anup. Jadav, hello. That's right. Anu. Hi, Shi. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Excellent. Really excited to talk to you. Likewise. Thanks for having me. So, Anup, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure.、Um, so, I'm Anup Jadav. I am a Salesforce technical architect.、Uh, my current role is I head up an engineering department at、uh, Azure Underwriting, which is an insure tech company. I've been doing Salesforce for ten plus years now, and I've seen it all.、Um, I started as a before Salesforce. I, I was doing Java development, and then I stumbled upon a company who was using Salesforce, and I was right there in the beginning when Force.com was launched. So when I looked at Force.com, I saw an opportunity to learn a new technology, and I was quite excited by the potential of that platform. So I Taught myself、uh, Apex and Visual Force, and switched career track from Java to Salesforce, and I haven't looked back since then. So I've been a Salesforce developer, Salesforce technical lead, solution architect, technical architect, enterprise architect,、uh, managing a big、uh, implementation team. I've done it all.、Mm. I've seen small size projects, medium size, big size, successful projects. Uh, projects fail, and it's one of the to- well. Our topic of today is about you know how do you ensure that、uh, your Salesforce implementation is successful cool. and、That's、gets、cool. you a better ROI. Yeah, and in addition to that, I know you have a podcast. I do, I do. I、uh, I blog、uh, and I do have a podca- podcast with、uh, Francis Pinder,、mm-hmm. who's known as at Radnip on Twitter. So the two of us talk about. Development and architecture on our podcast, which is called Salesforce Posse. So,、mm-hmm. if you'd like to check it out, you can go to salesforceposse dot com.、Uh, we have two more episodes coming up, so hopefully that should be live in the next couple of weeks. That's cool. We That's keep cool. it. We try and keep it updated、yeah. <laughs> on a regular basis, but both of us are quite busy, so it becomes、uh, it's challenging to kind of keep adding new episodes. But we try. Definitely, I know. I know how much work it involves. Not just two、yeah. people talking, right? <laughs> yeah, and definitely I will put、uh, the the podcast、uh, page link in our show notes. You know, for our listeners to check. The more podcasts、Perfect. we have, the better. You know, for the community.、Uh, 
I cannot agree more. Yeah, that's right. You know, information sharing is great. I mean, one of the good things about our community is it's it's a friendly community, very collaborative, and people love to share information. That's cool. Yeah. Let's start with our topic today. So you said we're going to talk a little bit about the governance and the change management. I think maybe that's a bit because you're working in the insurance company. These things are critical, is it so? Or you already have this passion? So I think uh, governance. So you're right that in insurance and in regulated industry, governance is an important part mm-hmm. of, uh, or rather, having good governance is critical uh, because uh, you uh, you have to follow some rules that are set out by the uh, regulators. Uh, which means you have to keep your data secure. You know, even before GDPR, uh, regulated industries were ha- have to make sure that their customer data, sensitive data, uh, is secure, uh, or the regulators would find them. But I, governance uh, and change management is a broader topic than that, and uh, absolutely it applies to regulated uh, financial institutions. But mm-hmm. uh, I. It can apply to non-regulated industries as well, uh, and other domains like media and other sectors. So, okay. uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, it, I'm quite passionate about governance and change management. It's one of those things where Salesforce can do more, and there is a lot of opportunity uh, for the platform to grow. You know, in, in Salesforce world, when I started back um, back in 2008, we had Apex Visual Force, and the way to d- deploy these things was through the IDE. So we had the Ant migration tool, uh, we had the uh, metadata API, and we'd use that to deploy from one environment to another. Okay. Uh, over the years, that process matured and migration tool uh, became more robust. So we could kind of script around that, you know, write scripts to automate that deployment. Then chain sets came along, which kind of made the, in a way, introducing another way of deployment uh, added more challenges because now you had two ways of deploying things, uh, Mm -hmm. which means tracking changes becomes difficult. So governance is broader than that. Change management is part of that. So what what do I mean by um, governance, you know? Mm-hmm. So, at its most basic, governance is a framework for uh, how organizations operate and make decisions. So, if you don't have a governance process or framework in place, then you can't prioritize all of the requirements that you're tackling. You know, and if you work on a typical Salesforce project, you have a huge backlog of requirements, and that list just grows. You know, you have users providing feedback, you have bugs, um, you have new projects coming in. How do you decide uh, which request to implement, which feature to implement first, or uh, which initiative to pursue? So governance gives you a framework to make those decisions. And this is different from like a technical governance which usually, for example, anatomy, they need to uh, validate the data, clean the unnecessary um, data, some some user account, deactivate those stuff. So this is a different angle, what you're talking about. It's more like a higher level, right? Correct. And technical governance of that sort becomes part of the strategy. 
mm-hmm. right? So one of the outcomes as part of your uh, governance would be that you want clean data set. Yeah. So what do you do to uh, to achieve that outcome? You set up processes where you do, you probably have uh, identify one or two people from the business who are data stewards, you know, who mm-hmm. are responsible for making sure that the data is clean in the, in the Salesforce org or orgs that you might have. And they run regular reports. They do all of the data cleansing activities on a regular basis. I so see. these are processes uh, which serve an outcome, which is cleaner data, or useful data inside of, uh, of your org. Hmm. So as, as part of governance, what you would have uh, then, once you have the vision set up, then you define the the process, okay? Now, there are two parts of this process. This process, business process, and there's a technical process. Um, mm-hmm. A technical process can be summarized as the development methodology that you, are, you may or may not have. It is quite... Um, or at least I've found that on a lot of projects, that process is not defined. So you might have one or two developers, maybe an admin. Uh, you know, they they are possibly using something like Jira to manage the stories and backlog, but then there is no process to deploy that change from one environment to another. Mm-hmm. In some, in a lot of companies, they don't even use things like version control. So they work on the story, they deploy that change, a developer might use uh, their ID to deploy from their dev environment to QA, an admin might might use change sets. Mm-hmm. What happens there is that you don't have any tracking or auditability, uh, auditability of mm-hmm. your changes. Now, uh, me coming from an insurance background or working in the insurance domain and financial services domain, you know, if an auditor comes in, and they kind of take a look at this process, they'd be shocked because they'd be wondering, how do you track your changes? How do you know that something that went to production which accidentally exposed customer data, how was that change tracked or reviewed, right? Oh, mm-hmm. So, But then that, that can be true. In the GDPR age, it applies to all organizations, not just financial services. So you need to be able to track all of the metadata changes that you are propagating from lower environments to higher environments. Mm-hmm. It also helps you uh, if you have a technical process set up, and I'll talk about what that process might look like. Mm-hmm. If you have a technical process set up, uh, it also helps you identify issues early on rather than in production many times because okay. your changes might be localized. You know, you might be adding a validation rule for a specific business requirement which will have an impact on another part of the system. So a trigger might be creating a record without entering that field value for which you have the validation rule, but you haven't tested that functionality Mm -hmm. because all you tested was that manual flow with that validation rule. So um, uh, having a more repeatable, auditable technical process helps everyone. Now, what does that look like? So uh, an ideal process for me, and I'm not going to give a Celsius DX example. I'll give you a non-Celsius DX example. Okay. But then it, it has elements. As this is where Celsius DX is going, you know. Mm-hmm. So what you would have is different environments for uh, different things. So you'd have a one or you know either one dev environment where all developers and admins work. Or you could have one dev environment for each developer and each admin to work. I think that's less important. It all depends on how complicated your org structure is. Yeah. So let's take a simple example. One dev environment where all devs and admins work. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Now, once they've kind of, uh, let's say they've picked up a ticket from Jira or any other project management tool, they've worked on that ticket, a good technical process would then say, okay, you uh, now need to deploy this change, but if you want to track this change, you need to track it in version control. So whether it's a dev or an admin that makes the change, they would then uh, create a pull request. Uh, they should be using a version control. Most popular version control system is right now is Git, and you can mm-hmm. use GitHub or Bitbucket. So you would create a pull request that gets uh, reviewed by one or more developers or admins. Mm-hmm. It gets merged into the QA branch, for example, and then an automated process. And what I'm describing here is a continuous integration process that can be set up. Mm-hmm. And then an automated a tool like Jenkins or Travis CI or Circle CI will um, identify that merge take that change and deploy it to QA environment. Mm -hmm. Before deploying it, it will run all tests. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's assume you've got Apex tests and, you know, uh, if it works, it's good, it's deployed. If it doesn't work, then it'll notify the developer or the admin who deployed uh, that uh, pull request, created that pull request. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's have a quick summary here. So you mentioned basically that the pipeline thing is more or less is called DevOps, right? So we have the automation, so we have the code review, whatever quality gate somehow inserted mm-hmm. uh, into the pipeline, different stages. And that mm-hmm. ensures each time when we have a new code or new metadata changes, uh, mm-hmm. certain uh, quality validation happens in between. And then it goes along the journey to different environments so that uh, the quality is always assured. Mm-hmm. Along along the the path, right? Correct. And yeah. uh, I think for developers, more or less, uh, people have heard about this. You know, it's been many years, like this Ant tool, this Salesforce migration tools, and the Jenkins definitely has been in TechEd. Uh, again, the question and the challenge is always how to make sure everybody in the team really understand the pipeline, they use the Git. The version control in a good manner, and this is where this is where having a governance formal governance framework helps because as mm. part of that you've kind of said that this is the technical process DevOps process we use mm-hmm. to to do any changes in our environments, and if you set out the rule that this is how we do deployment, and but then at the same time support whoever whether it's a developer and admin who joins the team to learn how to use both version control and the pipeline and how to deploy through these environments because the initial learning curve can be steep, yeah. but the long-term payoff is very high. You know, once I understand. They, might, they might spend three or four weeks struggling to use this, there is a temptation to just kind of, oh, it's a small change, let's use change sets to deploy this. But uh, once you set the rule that this is the only way to do something, you kind of said that, you know, either you like doing this. Yeah. yeah, And you adapt, you know, everybody's adaptive. And uh, admins are also quite technical uh, these days, given the kind of complexity they they deal with on a, on a day-to-day basis with flows and uh, process builders. Hmm. So even though they're not writing code, they are thinking like a coder. Hmm. So I think we shouldn't underestimate their, their ability to pick up these things. And, in today's world, learning 
version, just to reiterate, I, I think I might be repeating myself here. Uh, picking up version control skills is crucial for everybody mm. who's involved in technology implementation. Mm. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Salesforce Web Podcast is all the time looking for both guests and topics. If you have guest recommendation or any topics you'd like to listen to, don't hesitate to let me know. My Twitter, LinkedIn, and the email information is at the end of the show notes of each episode. You can also find it on the salesforceway.com website. I really, really, really need help from you on this matter because only you, my lovely listeners, know what yourself want. So please help me invite great guests to talk on great topics so that we spread great knowledge. Now let's get back to the show. I mean, on this point,、um, I think you are more optimistic than me. <laughs> you know, I I I truly understand. I agree with you. It's critical,、yeah. and、uh, it's a really good uh, uh, tool skill set under your belt, right? Um, mm-hmm. No matter it's admin or developer, but to me, usually I hear the argument is that、uh, either admin or consultant who are using declarative tools only, they come because you don't need to touch technical details, and that's the reason they they have avoid to use like a version control or the command line or the Git tools, you know. And this is something they don't want to do. That's kind of a mindset. I I agree with them. I mean, they come here that. They never expected this coming, and then now Salesforce is like, "You have to learn this." Well, this is where if you have this process in place, then the challenge is not whether they have to use it. The challenge is how do you onboard them to use these things?、Mm-hmm. Then you give them the knowledge and the training and the support to use these tools. You know,、mm-hmm. they're completely valid in saying that they've never had to use this before, but If your process maturity is high and you already have this pipeline set up, you know you've got Jenkins or Travis CR or everything set up. Then the challenge is how do you onboard non-technical admins to start using? And the tricky bit is just the version control bit, right?、Mm-hmm. Once you kind of teach them how to create a, a branch, how to create a pull request, and how to do reviews. Once they've gone past that learning curve,、mm. then it's easy because everything else is you know we you're not suddenly asking them to write or review Apex code or write Lightning Web components.、Mm. They continue to do what they're doing, creating workflows, process builders, flows. What what's changing is that, and they understand metadata. What's changing is that they just need to understand how to then take that metadata and add it to the pull request. Yeah, by creating a branch. Yeah, I think sooner or later, definitely admins, consultants who are using declarative tools, they will start using the version control. I think where Salesforce is heading with Salesforce DX,、mm. it is becoming more and more important for everybody to know、yeah. these tools.、Yeah. Uh, I know Salesforce DX is very much command line heavy. And I think that's probably one of the criticisms. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be as the, as Salesforce DX matures. I think they'll have more 
possibly more declarative tools. Yeah. yeah declarative ui tools to manage this mm-hmm. but understanding version control still helps even yeah. in that environment yeah. so so yeah that's kind of the the technical process around this now that's mm-hmm. you know that you don't stop there mm-hmm. so you have that process in place then you need the the support around uh, delivering these things, which is the business support. So, you know, how do you um, how do you make decisions? Uh, how do you keep track of progress? Uh, and you do that in a uh, in a number of ways. You now this is this is where people might say that it becomes a bit process heavy, but it's still useful. So you you could have a steering committee, which is composed of um, all of the business stakeholders and decision makers. It could include mm-hmm. C-level execs. Um, and this steering committee is responsible for the vision and the high-level roadmap because vision and roadmap is never set in stone. Mm-hmm. They constantly evolve depending on the changing business needs, consumer needs. You know, if tomorrow there's a, uh, there's a new business model that the business needs to to build or adapt, then they need to change the vision and the roadmap accordingly. So the steering committee is responsible for kind of making sure that what's being built matches the reality of the world. They can also make decisions around budget approvals and, you know, project initiative approvals and stuff. Now, under that steering committee, you can have a a project committee, which is responsible, which is a bit more low level, and they're responsible for specific projects where you review. Uh, For a big enterprise, it's common that you could have three or four initiatives running in parallel, uh, then you have to make sure how these three initiatives, specifically if they're in the same org, how do they, uh, how, how are they built in parallel? Mm. What you don't want is duplication. You know, one initiative is building something that initiative number three has already built. Mm. I know there's reuse aspect of this. The, the other aspect is conflict. You know, yeah. you're building something here that actually con- conflicts with something yeah. that the other project is trying to build. So the project committee keeps tabs on all of these different initiatives and kind of says, okay, this is um, this is where we can reuse things. Now you could have multiple levels in this. You know, you could have a technical design authority which reviews all mm. of the technical uh, things. Depending on how large uh, you are, uh, the more uh, components you can add to this. I'm not saying that you have all of this. But mm. I'm saying that maybe you can start small, but by just having one steering committee and then, you know, then grow from there as because Salesforce, once you start building on Salesforce, it's just going to grow and grow. Yeah. Once it becomes key part of your business process, it's very much likely that your usage of Salesforce will increase. You'll have more data in there. Uh, even though it's a systems of records, it will interface a lot with your systems of engagement, which is your website or your app or whatever. It relies on the data in Salesforce. So you have to just kind of plan for that and you have to assume that that implementation is going to grow, which means the time and money invested in creating uh, this committee and the process is worth it. Mm, I see. Yeah, so it's a lot of things you just shared. You know, we started from the technical part, how to build a technical release tool and the pipeline, right? And then, mm-hmm. of course, there must be something from the business to drive that uh, technical pipeline. Why you are doing that? What's the purpose of doing that, right? And how to adjust the items inside the pipeline. 
So that's the mm -hmm. business. You have this uh, steering group. You have the commute. Uh, what is committee, right? Project committee. Yeah. 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 So different levels. It depends on the size of the company, right? So they drive sure. uh, layer by layer down to the technical part. Yeah, I think the key thing is alignment mm. uh, and autonomy. Okay, the more alignment you have, the more autonomy you can give to people down the the hierarchy. If there is no alignment, so if people down the chain don't know what the overall organizational goals are, they're not aligned, then they won't make, they won't be comfortable making decisions. But if you have high alignment in terms of the goals and the vision and, you know, what the outcome that's, uh, that the, the company desires, then you've, you can push down more autonomy down the line, down the chain rather. Mm. And how do you have more alignment? You have more alignment by having better communication between different layers in the hierarchy. So better communication leads to good alignment, which leads to more autonomy. The governance and change management framework gives you uh, the structure to do all of these things, to communicate, to have better alignment, and also to be able to give more autonomy down the chain so that the project managers, product owners, developers can make decisions mm. because uh, important decisions because they know what the desired outcome is. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. And I yeah. think uh, what you just mentioned applies to Salesforce, but it definitely applies to other IT systems as well. Like if you have SAP, the same uh, principles, yeah. right? Yeah, so, I think that's that's just a general thing within an organization. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's more to me. It sounds like like an enterprise architect uh, who is kind of like drive these and make sure all these layers are are working aligned. Uh, yes, I think if you are an existing Salesforce customer who who thinks that they're who are not sure what the implementation is like and who know that they have these problems of you know deployment not being able to track the changes systems are hard to refactor even a small change takes a long time because there's a lot of custom implementation where would you start so you would first start by identifying where you are so what you should be doing is you should do a health check of your organization or not just of the implementation but also the process and also identifying all of these um, nuances to decision-making on how things are being prioritized. Once you've identified how good or bad your implementation is, how broken your technical and business processes, and what kind of structure you're operating in, that's mm -hmm. when you can start looking at, okay, this is where we are, and what we want to, where we want to be, we want more agility, we, we want to be more scalable, and how do we get to that? And the whole thinking about how to set up governance and change management can then begin, because now you know where you are, at least in the context of Salesforce. So do a health check, hire someone, or do, if you have an internal architect, get them to do a honest review. So the health check, the purpose is not to identify issues and 
point fingers. The purpose mm. is to do an honest assessment of your implementation and the process so that you can identify the gaps and create a more long-term strategy on how to fix these things. Mm. You will accumulate technical debt. You know, that's the, it's, it's, a, it's not a self-specific problem. It's a problem for all implementations. Yeah. Uh, you know, even if you follow the best practice, best practices, you will still accumulate technical debt because when you're building something, you probably don't have, typically a developer doesn't have the same domain knowledge as they do after they spend some more time in, within that domain. So initially they will build something that's short term that, you know, based on their current understanding, but as their understanding grows, they'll look back and say, oh, we could do this in a better way. So when you write something, you're introducing technical debt. The key thing there is to how do you address that technical debt on a regular basis? It's it's easy to say but difficult to implement. You know, you need to have kind of go back and take care of some of that, pay off some of that debt. Otherwise, it keeps on accumulating. Mm. Another analogy that I like to use is uh, snow shoveling. You know, if you're if there's snow on your driveway. Uh, sometimes the way we accumulate technical debt is you just keep shoveling snow forward and forward. And by the, at some point, the snow is so piled up high that you can't go anywhere. And that's mm-hmm. that's the visual analogy I use when you're building systems. Uh, what you need to do is just get rid of the snow, you know, put it, push it sideways or just throw it away or do something about it rather than just shoveling it forward and forward. Um, so you do a health check, identify where you are, identify what your technical debt is. That's not sufficient. You also need to identify what your process gaps are and use that to then define all of these governance and change management processes. Cool. Because Salesforce is a big implementation for you. You know, it's a there is a it's a big investment for a company sometimes. They, they spend up to mil, you know lots of millions of dollars on license mm-hmm. fees, but they won't get an ROI if the if a simple change takes weeks or months to do, because the promise of the Celsius platform is you can go from design to launch in days. But the bigger you grow, the more difficult it becomes to make that change. But if you have these processes in place, if you have this governance framework in place, then you can actually make change every day if required. Cool. There was a lot of information. You know, these things... I think most of the developers won't really um, think uh, about it because we mm-hmm. are writing code. We are get the the assignment finished. You know that's our Correct. daily job. And uh, there are different scales. You are really looking from a much larger scale. So you're talking with the business stakeholders to make sure they are driving on the correct direction and even pushing down. Further but I, be- team. I believe it's it can be a developer's or an admin's responsibility to highlight these things to mm. their management Makes because sense. it's very rare that you know everything is going right in whatever project you're working on mm. and usually these issues are a number of smaller things that are going wrong in a number of different places so you just need to kind of start thinking about okay how do we uh, we know that things will become more and more complex. How do we set up a process that helps us deal with this complexity down the line? You know, and even if you're a developer, identifying these things and 
creating a strategic solution or at least proposing a strategic solution to the decision makers is a useful thing for your career. You know, it helps you think, uh, look at the entire forest, then just looking at a single tree and you can, and it's useful for anybody, you know, a developer and admin to have that kind of view. Mm. It's thanks, not just Anna. a responsibility for the architect. You know, you're welcome. Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> So Hopefully I think that was uh, valuable. it's definitely valuable, and uh, I love to. I mean, even though this is a so-called a Salesforce developer podcast, but these things I do want to bring in every now and then. You know, these are the invaluable information, and it really makes developer a better one. All right, thanks a lot, Anup. Yeah, see you next thanks. time. Thanks, Shi. Thank you. Bye. To bind our fortunes. Damn what the stars are! Rend my heart open, then your love profess a winding, weaving fate to which we both atone. You flee, my dream come the morning. Your scent, berries, tar, lilac sweet to dream. Raven locks and twisted storm.